it's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! I-O! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast. Boy, we're off to a wonderful start. I can't even <laughs> spell tonight, Chris. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, Eric, for all, our, uh, all, all of our listeners, whoever questioned how much you love Jim Trussell, I wish they could have seen our our backstage uh, uh, intro here as, as our as our introduction was playing and you were giving the speech for Jim Trussell. Three hundred and ten days. That's right. <laughs> I I love Jim Trussell. What can I say? He is he is my favorite human being on the planet. I'm pretty sure next to my wife. All right, Robert Allen says he uh, wishes we could be at uh, 1,900 hours instead of waiting till 2,100 hours. Military man there, that Robert Allen yes, is. Sir. He wishes we could be on at 7 o'clock until 8 o'clock. Tired of waiting for us. Larry Daniels says, hey, everyone, hope you've had a great weekend. By the way, Robert, we were on at 7 o'clock. Yeah. We were, we were recording an Indiana preview for all of you all, so there you go. Ryan Wickerham, what up, guys? One day closer to football season, OH. I.O. He also likes to call us his guys, my guys. We're glad to have you in tonight, Ryan. We've got a great show for all of you tonight. It's two really good topics, a great guest from Scarlet and Game tonight that we can't wait to dive into. Might even talk a little Cleveland Browns. A little bit. I mean... We normally stay away from the NFL, but I'm gonna have I'm gonna be outnumbered tonight because we're gonna have two Browns fans on this podcast. Uh, our our guest tonight, Frank, he also not only writes about Ohio State, but he also writes for um, fan sided for Cleveland Browns football as well. Nice. Oh, uh, where goes one? Oh, Io, welcome in. Good to have you with us tonight, live on the OHIO podcast tonight. And Chris, we would be remiss if we didn't remind everybody about what is coming your way this upcoming Saturday, July fifteenth at three p.m. Town Hall, Ohio City, in Cleveland, Ohio. It is the Cleveland Buckeye Football Fan Meetup. 
um, ourself along with the 330 um, sports show out of Youngstown, the Scarlet and Game podcast, as well as our good friend Lisa from Buckeye Football Fangirl. And I have been informed, Chris, that we have a couple listeners that are going to be there as well to meet you and I and the rest of the gang and all of you fine uh, awesome. Buckeye fans in Northeast Ohio. Plus, the Rudy of Ohio State football. Mike Wargo yes, is going to be there as our special guest as well to sign autographs, talk to all of you guys about his time at Ohio State. He's always been so gracious with his time and his and his story of the, the one play he got in for Ohio State following uh, John Cooper learning about Rudy, <laughs> the movie Rudy, and Wargo happened to be the guy that got in. So he will be there as well. We want to invite all of you. Go over to our Facebook page or Twitter page. You can find it there. Click on it. You can get free tickets. You download free tickets from there. They just need to make sure that, to know how many spots that they are going to need reserved next Saturday for this great party. You know, we're going to be in Cleveland. Can't somebody get like Denzel and Tommy Togiai on the phone, get those guys to come on over? There you go. There you go. Ryan Wickerham also wants to all of you know that he can't wait to have us at his tailgates. Oh, man, I can't wait to go back to that one. That was Penn, so much fun. Penn State game. We're going to be doing some shows from uh, Ryan Wickerham's tailgate for the Penn State game. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, guys, let's dive into our first topic tonight. Shall we, Chris? Let's do this. Okay, we got another beautiful reaction video for all of you. This one is going to be a little bit longer. It's two minutes long. It's Archie and Ryan Day talking about the tradition of the running back position. And Ryan tries to go Archie into putting himself on a Mount Rushmore. And I am happy to say at least Archie knows how many presidents are on Mount Rushmore. Thank God for that. And uh, he, uh, he he won't do it. He mentions some really good names. But after this reaction video, Chris and I, we're going to try to do it because we're just glutton for hey, punishment. Eric, Archie went to school when they did still play school. Ouch. Ouch. All right, check out this video, everybody. You'll enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. A lot of people, when they're talking about, you know, the – the history of Ohio State or other programs, they talk about the Mount Rushmore of <laughs> a, you know, a certain position. And I know you have a certain philosophy on that. So if I was to say to you, <laughs> what is the Mount Rushmore of running backs? You'd probably say what? Well, I'll tell you what, I hate that question. Let me just go tell you, first of all, matter of fact, Keith Byers and I were having a conversation uh, about uh, that question uh, on our way to Jeff Logan's golf outing in Canton, Ohio, a couple weeks ago. And we came to the conclusion that we evade the question. Yeah. And and that's kind of what I'm going to do here today. I'm going to evade that question because Mount Rushmore has four presidents on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you cannot boil Ohio State's tradition of running backs down uh, to four. I mean, we've had a boatload or a train load of great running backs uh, here at Ohio State University. I mean, you, you, I mean, you got to go all the way back to uh, Chick Harley, the, the guy who uh, everybody says built Ohio Stadium right, because right. of his performances. And a lot of times you see these around Mount Rushmore's, they leave guys like that off. You know, you, you got uh, Les Horvath, Vic Janowitz, Hop Cassidy. A lot of times you leave those guys off. 
But there are a tremendous amount of running backs that's been at Ohio State that's done a terrific job and uh, were great for the teams that they played on. And I just feel very uncomfortable leaving any of those guys out. I mean, most of the times you, you, you hear about the guys that are most recent, you know, guys like Zeke and, and Dobbins and, and, and folks like that. Uh, but there's some guys in between there that were fabulous. I mean, you, you think about the Spencers and certainly you know about the Eddie Georges, the Keith Byers and people like that, but I can go on and on. Right. And, and so, so I, I feel it's unfair to pick up Mount Rushmore of running backs and, and uh, because we've had some great ones. Yeah, so we'll stay away from that question. Before. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people, when they're talking about, you know, the the history of Ohio State or other programs. We want to know from you guys in the comments section, who is your Mount Rushmore of Ohio State running backs? I know this is a difficult question. I know in all honesty, what you should probably do is break it down by era. You could even break it yeah. down by decade. That's really how could. good. That's how good Ohio State's running backs have always been throughout the years. If you could literally break it down by decade and still have a pretty good Mount Rushmore. But we're gonna try it. We're gonna try it tonight. We I'm want you. To, I'm feeling this. We want you to jump in in the comment section and give your Mount Rushmore of Ohio State running backs. I think for me, it's pretty easy to do the first three. When we yeah. get to the fourth one, I struggle with what to do. But the obvious answer for number one is the guy that was just interviewing with Ryan Day. Archie yeah. Griffin is hands down easily the George freaking Washington of Mount Rushmore. Okay. He's a one. He's your number one guy. So let's go with, just put that one to bed for both of us. Archie's number one. Yeah. You can't even dispute that. I mean, if you're the career rushing leader and you got two Heisman trophies, I don't think there can be any argument. Um, you know, for me, I, I, I like the players I've got. The order is where I struggle, Eric. Okay. Um, well, I can help you with I'll, number two. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go a little old school here. I'm going to go oh. way old school. Oh. Uh, if if they call the stadium the place that you built, you've, you've got to be on the Mount Rushmore. So I got to go. And again, I don't know if I would go number two, but I'm going to put him in there at number two. I got to go Chick Harley because by God, if, if the horseshoe is the, the stadium that Chick built, that's saying a lot. It, it, it is saying, it is saying a lot, but I don't know. I mean, that era is so different, man. It, it's it, so it, different, but you know was, what? It was he more like rugby up, than it was, but he brought Ohio state football to prominence. I mean, you think about it before Chick Harley, we were out there playing Ohio Wesley and Eric. This, this is we are true. playing the College of Wooster. This is yeah. This is true. Kenyon College from Kenyon, Ohio. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is true. This I, I can't. I can't. I th I, I actually kind of had him penciled in originally at number four, but I kind of felt like that was a bit of an insult. And I know the eras are different. He's got to be on there. So I went ahead and just slid him up to two. All right. I'm gonna go with Eddie number two. He's the Abraham Lincoln for me. Yeah. Uh, my childhood, um, <laughs> that guy is his, what he did is etched in my head. Um, having got to meet him as a, as a kiddo when, you know, Ryan played for Ohio state winning the Heisman trophy, the game against Illinois he had was magical. 
Um, going back and watching him and his highlights, the guy could play today. He was yeah. he was just amazing. I think Archie could too, by the way, in his prime. So I'm going to say Eddie's number two for me, and I'm guessing he's probably number three for you. Am I right? Yeah, again, like I said, my two, three, four, the numbers I just couldn't get right. I think there was so many great things about all of them. Yeah, I, I got Eddie in there too. I, I, what? I've got him at number three. We'll go number three. Okay, number three for me, I'm, I'm very interested if he's your number four. I did not get to see this kid guy play. I was too young then. I saw him in the pros. He's got one of the most iconic runs of all time for Ohio State. My good friend, my mentor, um, he got he was a, 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 a um, an athletic trainer, uh, Carl Hugler. He was an athletic trainer at Ohio State when this guy was there, and he has. Did he put amazing- the shoe back on? No, but he has some amazing stories before the game. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Keith Byers, everybody. Uh, Keith would come in and say, Carl, tape up my guns because he would rap, you know. And he, 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 used to, he used to say, that guy had the biggest arms. He goes, they were real guns, man. He'd say, Carl, tape up my guns. But anyways, I, I've got to go Keith Byers, number three. Is he number four for you? He was. Okay. Yeah. Like I said. Uh, the, the, the number four, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see who your number four is. I, like I said, I went old school. I yeah. kind of feel like you might've stayed a little more modern era or, or possibly went with a number 40 from the past. But, um, let's hear it. Who's got in the at number four for you, Eric? All right. I'm going to preface this by saying this. My number four would have been, if he would have stayed, Maurice Claret. Yeah. I think the the year Maurice Claret had in 2002 was magical. It's unfortunate that he got some bad advice and decided to try to test the NFL waters before he really had the opportunity to do that. And so I would have said – I probably would have put him there. Um. Obviously, you've got the more two recent good ones, in my opinion, in Zeke yeah. and Dobbins. And Dobbins, yeah. And and those are and and I would I would put Zeke slightly ahead of Dobbins, even though Dobbins has the uh, more prolific season. But Zeke's got the ring, like you said. But here's my number four: Howard Hopalong Cassidy. Cassidy, yep. Um. You go back and you learn about this man and what he did. And just, he was the first guy in college football that resonated beyond the sport to where sports people were paying attention. He had what you would call modern day um, clout, if you will. He, he, would, he had the it factor. He was, yeah, he would be the guy who would be have how many Twitter followers. And, and if there was a such a thing in those days, he was pop culture. He transcended pop culture. Yeah. The first one ever in college sports to kind of really do that. And so you make a good point for number two, who you got at number two. I feel I make a good point for who I have at number four. But let's see what all of you guys have tonight. Your Mount Rushmore. Of Ohio State running backs. Think about the guys we haven't even talked about, Eric. Guys like Pete Johnson, you know? Yeah. Uh, Donald Hoffer's got Eddie George, Archie, Zeke, and Hopalong Cassidy. 
So he and I agree with two of those. Um, actually, three. You three. agree with three of those, yeah. Larry Daniels says, Archie, Eddie, Keith Byers. He corrects his spelling on Keith Byers, but I won't show that. But thank you, Larry. Uh, and Zeke Elliott. And he says, many more very strong candidates. Yeah, we we really do. Ryan Wickerham. He went with Archie, Eddie, Dobbins, and Zeke. So he went with the more modern there, which I think if you would ask most people who are in their 20s, that's what they'll go with. More than likely. Yeah. Um, yeah, Larry. No, no love for Robert Smith from anybody either. Football was so was so different before face guards on helmets, equipment in general. Yeah, it really yeah. was. A lot of broken noses back then. Um, oh, let's see. Robert Allen says Chick Harley. Before we played, um, before him, we played all uh, something schedule. Hop along, Archie, Eddie, and then honorable mention is Keith Byers, Zeke, and Dobbins. I, I can't be mad at any of that. No, no, you cannot. Um, and yeah, Robert Allen agrees with me. Claret would have made his list too uh, if the wheels wouldn't have come off. Yeah. I blame the NCAA, Eric. If NIL had been in place when Claret was in school, this wouldn't have even been an issue. <laughs> Jason Monk wants to bring up a, an, an interesting argument here. Should we put Braxton as a running back? <laughs> no. It's the, only, it's the only position he didn't officially play, I think. Yeah, he could uh, he could have played it. I know that. He could have played it. Oh, without was, a doubt. He made a great tailback. If you remember, though, he was very ouchy in his career. Even before he had the big injury with the elbow, uh, he was beat up a lot, which is the reason why Smooth Jazz had the moments he had. Well, I'll tell you what, OTP could have probably slid over to the tailback room, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he was a big so, man. So eh, good discussion, guys. This is a really good discussion. You can't go wrong with any of these guys. Um, but interestingly enough, if you go back and you want to look, I'm pretty sure there were two guys on every single person's list. I'm going over it again. Yeah. Uh, that's the ones with the little statue, right? Yeah. Archie and Eddie, they yeah. both are on everybody's Mount Rushmore. I don't think you could go wrong there. Yeah, no. absolutely. Um, all right, next next question tonight, guys. Let's jump into the next one. And all I can say before we do this is hold on to your butts. Because this guy over here is about to go off. We're about to have a John Kennedy experience from this guy. All right, here we go. Wait a minute. Marcus... <laughs> Oh, he's turning the hat backwards. Uh-oh. Watch out for spit flying on the screen. Marcus Freeman was on a podcast this week where he basically said he was misquoted and that he regrets ever saying what he did about his alma mater. There was a lot of reaction on social media from this by Ohio State fans, many of which people are like, hey, it's time to forgive him. It's time to let it go. And we threw out a poll question out there for all of you. And the poll question went something like this. It said, basically, do you forgive uh, Marcus Freeman or um, do you need more time or will you never forgive Marcus Freeman? Let me see if I can't pull that in real quick here and see if I can't find that, Chris. Why don't you... Go ahead while I do that. Pull up the poll question. Give your answer why, what your answer was, and why. 
Okay, Eric. You know as well as anybody from our discussions about things such as Tattoogate, I'm not exactly the forgiving type to begin with. Yeah, he may say he regrets what he said or proclaim that he, you know, like he did last year, that it was taken out of context. But you know what? He said it. And he then comes back and he tries to say, well, I wouldn't be anywhere without Ohio State. You're right. You wouldn't be anywhere without Ohio State. And yet you still go out and disgrace yourself and your alma mater by making some stupid comment. I don't care if he was just trying to pump up his team or earn booster points with fans or earn points with fans or boosters, I should say, of Notre Dame. Simple fact is, it's unforgivable. Eric, one of your favorite questions that you like to ask our guests is what? What does it mean to you to be a Buckeye? Well, clearly, based on what he said last year, it doesn't mean a damn thing to Marcus Freeman to have been a Buckeye. He can backpedal all he wants. I don't care. I really don't. He would have been better off to just let sleeping dogs lie than to try to double down on this oops, I misspoke BS. I know last week you posed the, the real, very real what if scenario of if Ohio State loses to Notre Dame, then falls to that team up north, and Day either lets go or skips town with his tail between his legs, whatever should happen, and it goes to the NFL. Should Freeman be called? Despite what happened last season, I was this close, Eric. I was this close to saying, yeah, in that unlikely scenario, yeah, we should probably give him a call. But now, hell no. Not even just a heck no, a hell no. He, his weak little backpedaling crap this week, trying to get back in the good graces of Buckeye fans, right before he then goes out and says, well, yeah, I expect to beat the Buckeyes. That doesn't work for me. Be a man, own it. Just say, I crapped on my alma mater because I really don't care what any of you think. I wanted to boost my team's confidence and my own ego by saying I'm in a better place now and my time in Columbus was a mistake. You know, that's obviously what you think. You said it. Own it. Are you done? I, I better be because my heart's going, uh, my blood pressure's about, you know, 200 over 180 right now. Uh, Jason says, there's the wild man. <laughs> Here is the poll question, everybody. As a Buckeye fan, have you forgiven Marcus Freeman now that he says he regrets saying what he did about Ohio State? Your answers were, yes, all is forgiven. Maybe, let's give it more time. Or are you like Chris? No, he has already burned that bridge. Chris is like 48% of, of, of you. He says no. I, as you can see by my highlight there, am in the maybe. Let's give it a little more time. And let me explain why I feel like it's important that we do give this thing a little bit more time. Um, Marcus Freeman is in a tough situation at Notre Dame. And what I mean by that is this. He's really in a no-win situation there. Notre Dame has got their backs to the wall in recruiting and what they're able to do because of their academic standards, their inability to pull together NIL, and he's struggling. 
I think he's a good coach. I think he's a great defensive coordinator. I think he's going to be a really good coach. And I would not be surprised if somehow, if he could get a little bit more support from those in charge at Notre Dame who envision themselves to be more of the Midwest version of Harvard or Yale than they are a football factory, which is how they were built. If he could get a little bit more help from them, I think he could build a winner at Notre Dame. And by a winner, I don't just mean, you know, once in a while getting into the college football playoff and getting destroyed. I mean a legitimate big-time competitor who's competing for national championships. I think Marcus Freeman has that in him. And I personally, as a Buckeye fan, don't want to put our program in a place where if we need that guy, we as fans just are unwilling to accept that the guy made a comment his first few weeks on the job at Notre Dame that he obviously now regrets. Whether you feel that's hollow or not, I, I've got to play the long game here and think to myself, if something happens with Ryan Dane, it doesn't work out. Luke Fickle is not coming back to save us. We have to have somebody with experience, and that might be the guy. I'm just putting it out there. Larry Daniels says Freeman was trying to distance himself and used a poor choice of words. He must pay penance, lose to Bucks every year. Then I'll let it slide. Did Notre Dame really think he was really was ready for a major program? Obviously, somebody they clearly did. thought that he was. And, and you know what, Eric? Again, my problem is not with him as a coach. I believe you're right. I believe he has the ability to be a great coach. I do think he was a great defensive coordinator. I think he had a lot we to do. We wanted him as defensive coordinator. I believe we, he had we a lot to do with yeah. him. I think he had a lot to do with Luke Fickle's success at Cincinnati. Not do I, I, I do believe Luke Fickle ultimately was the reason for his success, but I think that Freeman definitely contributed to that success. They were a great one-two punch. They were very good together. Yes, and but, I don't know how I don't know how good they're going to be without each other. I think Fickle's going to be just fine. In a way, it's kind of like Trestle and D'Antonio. They're both really good, but when they were together, whoo, that's that's national championship magic, is what that is. Donald Hoffer says I found his comments hollow. I agree. He was only doing what he had to motivate his team to get a a beatdown. I'm I agree as well. I agree as well. Um, but I also know that most coaches say things like that. It just so happens he let his out publicly, and everything and see, he says is that's under what he's sorry about, Eric. He's not sorry for what he said. He's sorry that it got out and that the train took off with it. He's not sorry about making these comments. He's sorry about what happened in the aftermath. Yeah, and I agree with that because he didn't come out and say, I'm sorry. He said, I regretted it. Yeah. See the difference? I do. Um, but He's he, a weasel. But he's not at Ohio State, Chris. Doesn't he's matter. at Notre Dame. Do, Luke, Fickle, Luke Fickle is a little bit more 
he's a little bit more shined up as a, as a head coach. Okay, he was he had more time under Tressel and Urban Meyer than Freeman did in his coaching career under you know Luke under Luke, and then I think he was also at Ohio State under Urban for a little few for a few years as a GA. But my point is this: there's a little bit more shine. And so there's a little bit more experience with the microphone for Luke Fickle. So even though behind closed doors, he might say when Ohio State goes into, uh, you know, Madison, he's probably going to say some things that are worse, you know, the same, if not worse to his players about Ohio State. But he isn't at Ohio Luke State. Fickle is never going to come out and say, I'm not going to make the mistake. The same mistake twice. He's not going to basically refer to his time of, at Ohio of, State as a mistake. Of course he's not, because Freeman is raw. He has no he he is like Eric, he's like a puppy. He's like a puppy. You can't fix stupid. <laughs> he's not stupid. He's just not as refined. Look, Fickle's more refined. That's why he you wouldn't hear him say that. But I can't. We're sitting here basically debating, does Luke Fickle love a, his alma mater more than Marcus Freeman? I don't know, maybe. I clearly think everybody loves their alma mater more than Lucas or than Freeman based on what his comments were. There, There is. Hell, we, may, we may have Team Up North alumni that love Ohio State more than Marcus Freeman does based on his comments. Oh, my gosh, Chris. You are on fire tonight with this, man. So what? So what's he need to do? What does Marcus Freeman need to do in order for you to uh, forgive the man? Can he do anything? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was this close last week, Eric. Like I said, I was this close last week to not necessarily forgiving, but being able to look past. And then he goes and just dredges the whole thing up again. Tries to double down on it. But he didn't double down on it. He said he regretted it. He didn't come out and be, I don't regret he, it. Again, Screw regrets, the book, guys. He regrets being caught. He doesn't regret, or, or not so much being caught, but he regrets what happened. He regrets the aftermath. He doesn't regret making the comment. Everybody regrets second. getting caught. That's the whole thing about sin, man. <laughs> every, I, every, exactly. Everybody regrets getting caught, right? The, the question is, the question is, is how, how much does it, did, you know, does that mean to him? And I, I'm telling you right now, as head coach of Notre Dame, if you were in his shoes, you you might have not come out and said it publicly, right? But inside that locker room, you're you're telling every single one of your players, "I'm here for you. I'm with you guys. That's my alma mater." But let's go kick their butts, right? And you know what? If he would have said that, fine. But he said. It was a mistake. Ohio State was a mistake. Ryan Wickerham says Fickle knows how to speak to the public more professionally. I don't. I'm. Uh, that, yes, you're making my argument for me because he's more refined. He's has more time. He's a tre, He's a trestle guy. He's a trestle guy. Larry Dales. If Marcus is a pup, how many times can he pee on your carpet? Oh. <laughs> there you go, Larry. You got it right there, buddy. Oh, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> All we're doing is rubbing his nose in it, Eric. Oh, 
<laughs> oh my gosh. You're getting the newspaper out and beating the puppy, huh? This is this is great, man. This is a great discussion. We got to take a quick commercial break because our guest is with us, guys. I want you to get those questions ready for Frank. Uh, he's a writer for Scarlet and Gaming. We might even we might even let Chris have his moment and talk about the Cleveland Browns a little bit tonight. I don't know. My blood pressure isn't high enough already. <laughs> Let's take a quick commercial break, guys. We'll be right back with Frank. Hey, Frank, how's it going, man? The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. with frank tarika from the scarlet and game uh podcast we write we both write for scarlet and game for fan-sided frank you also write about the cleveland browns i discovered yeah. this week yep dog so, pound daily dog pound daily so he's covering both the buckeyes and on the professional level the nfl the the new buckeyes north we can say in cleveland <laughs> Uh, so I gotta, I gotta hand it to, to the Browns for at least going after some of those Buckeyes. We might get into some of that, but let's start here, Frank. How did you get involved with writing for Scarlet and game? And what is your background with Ohio state as your, as a fan student a writer? Yeah. Give, give it to us. Yeah, I wasn't a student. I went to Kent state. Um, but I'm a lifelong Buckeye fan. Um, grew up with those nineties teams, Pepe Pearson and, and all those guys, Eddie George, uh, Joe Germain, uh, those were my teams back then. And, you know, being a Browns fan, um, when they left in 95, it was difficult. So I had Ohio State right there to kind of get me through that. And that's when I really became a Buckeye fan. Um, but I started writing for Scarlet and Game three or four years ago now. And it's, it's just a good combination. I love the right. I love Ohio State. It's a, a perfect little side hustle I got. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun, actually. I've, I've really enjoyed it myself and getting kind of my creativity uh, sometimes and my thoughts down on paper. And sometimes I've writ I write it and then I go back and read it and I go, maybe do I really think that way? <laughs> like it's, it's kind of a good exercise for me where, you know, where when I've been podcasting, I just spew yeah. it out, you know. And uh, where when you write it and you put ink to paper, as the old saying goes, of course, no one puts ink to paper anymore these days, but I I'm old enough. You did that. But uh, yeah, uh, when you when you write it out, sometimes it, you, it causes you to really stop and analyze it. And so as we've analyzed this football team this year. Why don't you, because what I love about some of the articles you're writing, and I really encourage all of you, go go to scarletandgame.com, click on one of Frank's articles, and then click on his name, and it pulls up all his articles, full-page articles. And what Frank's been doing has been going through each and every single Big Ten team and previewing them for us. So while you've been working on that, engaging the other Big Ten teams, talk to us about what maybe some of the – um, I would say worries you might have about Ohio State 
and looking at other the big some of the other Big Ten teams and maybe some of the strengths where you think if if we highlight this, we can win this thing. Yeah, well, the strengths are obviously this team is loaded. You know, Ohio State is absolutely loaded this year. And if they could figure out the offensive line, if they could get that right tackle situation cleared away, they should be just fine. They should roll right through this Big Ten. Michigan, they're going to be tough. They bring back a lot of players. But, you know, looking at the other games on the schedule, there's nobody that really pops out as somebody that's going to scare me. You know, Um, you look at Indiana, you look at the early portion of our schedule, it it lines right up. It's going to get them ready for that Notre Dame game. Um, Western Kentucky is on their schedule. Look out for that game. Western Kentucky is pretty solid. They got a quarterback named Austin Reed, threw for over 4,500 yards last year. He's excellent. I'm shocked that he didn't go to a major program. He could he could be starting at a Power 5 school right now. Um, and then other than that, you go to you know Michigan State. I previewed them today. Nobody scares me with them. Um, and you look up and down the schedule, it's just it, – it's they should roll right through it. What about Wisconsin? Wisconsin's a tough one. Uh, at Wisconsin, Camp Randall, Luke Fickle's going to be, you guys know, he's going to be upset the last time he actually had a shot against Ohio State. He laid an egg in 2019 with Cincinnati. Um, that team brings in Tanner Mordecai, a quarterback from SMU. He's another player who was very solid last year. He's going to bring in, uh, they also brought in Phil Longo from North uh, Carolina to run that offense, and he's going to spread things around. Um, he, all his, he, he coached North Carolina for four seasons uh, as the offensive coordinator, top 10 offense every year. Um, he's going to bring that to Wisconsin. Fickle's going to have that defense going. Braylon Allen's back at running back. The happiest man on that team is Braylon Allen. He's going to have rushing lanes again with them throwing the ball around a little bit. And they're going to be a challenge. Um, if they make that a night game, I don't think they decided on a time yet for that one. If that's a night game at Camp Randall, you guys know how that place rocks. And it's going to be scary. Um, that's the the one game on the schedule that I have circled that could be a little bit of a hiccup. Penn State, too. I mean, they're good. But that game's going to be in Columbus. Um, but, yeah, Wisconsin's going to be a, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I, I actually feel the exact same way as I've been kind of working through my predictions. I it, it's getting to the where what I I have not circled that as a W yet because I'm just yeah. like this one. Especially gonna... if that's a night game. I mean, you guys, what was it 2016? We went into overtime with them at Camp Randall. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary place to play, and Ohio State's tripped up there a couple times. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. I didn't know this about Ryan Wickerham. He's a Browns fan too. <laughs> oh, Ryan, my dog. <laughs> that explains a lot right there. <laughs> oh, now we have one who's mad that we're going to talk about something else other than Ohio State. Robert Allen. I thought this was an Ohio State podcast. <laughs> we only talk about winners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Larry Daniels says, Welcome, Frank. Uh, he has a question for you. 
what might a favorite article you've written covering uh, Ohio State or Cleveland? Great question, Larry. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm going to point one out that you wrote, Eric. You wrote something about Archie Griffin deserving a statue. And yeah. I think that, I mean, what Buckeye fan doesn't agree with that, you know? One of my favorite art. I wrote one in 2019, and I kind of rewrote it again three or four months ago because it hasn't happened yet. Jim Trestle needs to get honored. I mean, what are we waiting for? I mean, thank God he's in good health right now and everything, but who knows what tomorrow brings. Let's get this guy on the sea deck in the ring of honor, right next to Paul Brown, right next to Woody. He deserves to be there. Let's do it sooner rather than later. We had the perfect opportunity against Youngstown State to get it done. Yeah. They dropped the ball. And I'll go, I'll go one better than that with you. That game against Youngstown State, dot he needs I. to dot the I. That too. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It's Earl Bruce was the last coach to get that honor. Um, and so and he got that honor right before he passed. I don't yeah. know of a better game for Jim Trestle to be honored than against Youngstown State. You know, I perfect. Obviously, him and Gene Smith have have some issues from, you know, what happened back then. Let's get over it, guys. Come on. It's time. Yeah. It's like Marcus Freeman and Chris. <laughs> no, no, no. Totally different. Trussell fell on his sword and protect Gene Smith and the program. Darn right. I, I agree with that. I agree with that statement, Chris. Chris, you got a question for our guest tonight? Well, yeah. First of all, is that a Jim Brown autograph football? How you spotted that, you? huh? Yeah, you spotted that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait nice. a second. I got one, one more here. That's uh, that's some dirt from Municipal Stadium. Oh, nice. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> oh, you guys, you two, you two memorabilia guys are geeking out right now. <laughs> Cleveland sports. Okay, so so I gotta ask Frank the quarterback situation. What is your take on the quarterback situation as it stands right now? Eric and I have both gone on record saying, you know, we believe Kyle McCord's the guy, but yeah, is he? I think so. I mean, all the signs point to that. Um, Devin Brown, we just, you know, hurt his finger in spring. We don't know what he is. Um, he could run around a little bit from what we saw. He's got a big arm. We saw that in uh, Peach Bowl practices, the little couple videos we saw. Um, but Kyle McCord, all indications are that he's going to be the man he's had out, you know, two years at Ohio state plus another two years. He was fully committed to Ryan day. He knows the playbook. He's ready to roll. He just has to do it now. Hmm. So, um, speaking of, of quarterback play, right. This is the first, and, and, I think it might have been Ryan that wrote it. Is it time that we get a, a quarterback that runs again? Can you see a scenario? Hear me out. Can you see a scenario where the offensive line is so bad that Devin Brown is actually the guy because he is just more fleet of foot and can do more with his legs? Does that scenario exist at all in your mind? Not or with Ryan it, Day. No, not with Ryan Day. Not with Ryan Day. You know, call, call, I don't know if he's going to call a plays. I don't think we know that yet. But um, his offense, you got to throw the ball down the field. And Kyle McCord, I think, gives you the best opportunity to do that. And we don't – the little that I saw of his high school video, Kyle McCord's, the guy could run too. 
You know, it's not like he's a statue. I think he's a little bit more than CJ Stroud. I think he could run the ball. So I think I hope that's so. being blown a little out of proportion. You know, Devin Brown, the scrambler, McCord, the thrower. Yeah. You know? So. And you're hey, right. Fred, we don't we don't really know because we didn't see yeah. it in the spring games. Only kind of what maybe uh, the spring game was awful. Oh, it's tough it to watch. <laughs> it was it was bad. Yes, Chris. So, so Frank, I got to ask your take on another question that Eric and I have gone round about. You mentioned Ryan Day. Is Ryan Day <laughs> on at least the warm seat right now? Yeah, he, he's warm, right? Losses to Michigan. I think he's warm. It's not the hot seat yet. Another loss, he'll be on the hot seat. Um, what's he got? He's 45 wins and six yeah. losses or something like that. But, like, but given geez. the fact that, you know, he really doesn't have the best track record in the big games. No. That, but, that uh, seems to be where he struggles the most is in the big games. Clemson, he, I think he's proven on the national stage he could play with everybody. Clemson, that Clemson game just sticks out. That's that's obviously his best game as a as a play caller, as a head coach. Um, Georgia, I don't know. We were we we're that close well, away from a national title, you know. Yeah, that, I that, mean, I can't put that all on him except for the fact that I feel he got conservative at the end. He and that's been his mo, right? Like he yeah. gets a little, he turtles up a little bit at the end. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think he's a he's a really good coach i think he's a good play caller uh eric i know you he's growing into the job right exactly. that's what you yeah. and i don't know if you do that exactly at ohio state but i think urban signed off on him and and gene went with it and here we are i think i he should be this should be peak ryan day though right now i think all their learning should be out of his system and i think this should be peak ryan day that we're going to see this year and in the couple of years to come. This is two years. Well, this will be two years removed from all of urban guys gone too. Yeah. So these are yeah. all Ryan day recruits. Um, I will give Ryan day credit for, I don't think he waits long when he knows something's wrong. He pulled the trigger pretty quick on Kerry Combs and we were all big Kerry Combs fans yeah, as too. a defensive backs coach. Right. And mm -hmm. it obviously yeah. was not going to work out as a DC and he didn't wait around for that. Um, I think most of the time, what we've seen Ryan do, Ryan Day do, is he's learned from mistakes rather quickly. Let's take Clemson for for account. You know, lost that tough one in the playoffs, really shouldn't have, but then comes back the very next year and has a phenomenal game plan. Right. Um, I think if we would have played Alabama, the same thing would have happened. I think he would have had a phenomenal game plan. Um, had Georgia, like you guys said, on the ropes for three quarters and then some unbelievable bad things happen, you know, slips and falls and injuries and you name it. Um, I, I, can't put, called. I can't put that all <laughs> on him. But if he loses three times to Jim Harbaugh, I'm questioning my thought process here with him and all that time of, of learning. It's like you said, now it's put up or shut up time, right? Like yeah. you've studied, you've been studying for the last four years and you've been doing great job. You know, the answers for the most part, you've got stubbed a few times. Now it's test time. Can you go into Ann Arbor and beat him with players that are equal or maybe even yeah. slightly better in the recruiting numbers, but the recruiting numbers, right? Can you do that? Can you put a game plan to bet together to beat him? 
you did it when you were an OC. Can you do it as a head coach? That's that's the test to me, Frank. I, I don't know, man. Absolutely. Um, and then I, I think one of his biggest negatives as a head coach is is his coaching hires. Um, obviously, Kerry Combs didn't work out. That initial defensive staff is pretty much all gone, right, except for Larry Johnson. Um, I, I don't know. if Parker Fleming is, is a special teams coach. I finally heard his name pop up on the recruiting trail with, with Justin Scott last week. That's the first time I heard of, you know, Parker Fleming making a contribution on the recruiting front since he's been hired. Um, Corey Dennis, uh, Keenan Bailey, these are all young guys. We, we just don't know yet about them. We don't know about Brian Hartline as an offensive coordinator. If he's going to call plays, we haven't seen it yet. I think that's his, the biggest question mark on him is how we put the staff together. Jim Knowles, I mean, he got torched against Michigan last year. He got torched in the second half against, I shouldn't say, in the fourth quarter against Georgia last year. How are, you know, how is he going to do? How is he going to handle the pressure of having to go up against Michigan two years in a row after he gave up 40-something points last year to them? I think that's one of Ryan Day's biggest uh, question marks right now is how we put the staff together. Chris and I are both pretty high on the defense this year. Let's let's flip over to the defensive side, although we're still getting questions about quarterbacks in the chat. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about defense. Let's talk about Jim Knowles. Year number two. Track record says there's a pretty pretty big jump from year one to year two. Did it at Duke. Did it at Oklahoma State. Here he is at Ohio State. Ohio State saw some improvement defensively. Now it wasn't. Oh, yeah. It wasn't what we all were hoping, you know, would you know, win a national championship. And again, for three quarters, it was good enough. And then the fourth quarter fell apart. But can this defense win a national championship? Can the scheme do it? Can the players do it? What does Frank say? Did Jim Knowles learn from his mistakes last year? Is he going to put eight, nine guys in the box against Michigan? And, you know, I think that's the biggest question mark. I think, you know, on paper, they have the talent. Are they going to play Sonny Styles? Are they going to play C.J. Hicks? I think Jim Knowles came out and said this spring that he's going to rotate more guys into his lineup. He didn't like doing that at Duke. He didn't like doing that at Oklahoma State, mostly because he had two- and three-star prospects behind his starters who he could not trust. There's a little bit more talent on this team. Let's get some of these younger, talented players on the field. Let's let them make plays. I think he's going to let that happen this year, and I think we're going to see a vastly improved defense this year. Does that equate to a national title defense? I, I'm not sure. Do we have enough pass rush to get that done? You know, JTT and Jack Sawyer are going to have to show up this year. They're going to have to prove that they're five-star talents. If they, the two of them do that, then I think this defense should be pretty elite. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Chris, you got a question before we <sighs> let you talk about the team from the mistake by the lake. Stop being bitter, Eric. It's okay. Hey, man, I was in the, hey, my team was in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So How'd they do? Yeah, they almost won it. It's just about like the last time they almost won it. <laughs> yeah. At least we've been there. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but don't do any good if you don't bring the trophy. Yeah, we're, we're just going to stop this right now, Eric. Because hey, we just... dominated the 50s, right? Okay, Michigan fan. Jeez. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is, 
we may not have gotten to the Super Bowl the last few years, but we until this last year we dominated Cincinnati for a pretty good run. Yeah, yeah. yeah you also Joe Burrow doesn't have a good record against us. Yeah, huh? you also got a quarterback that dominates the massage room. Oh, hey, oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so I got to ask you, Frank. One of the big things, obviously, on Ohio State is that talent in the wide receiver room. Your take. I mean, obviously, the sexy pick is, is Marvin Harrison Jr. Who leads this team in receiving Ooh. this year? Tough question. God. I mean, my my head wants to say Marvin, but my heart is like, um, I think a Mecca might do it. I mean, he didn't – he came pretty close to doing it last year. Um, yeah. But there, Marvin's going to get double and triple teamed, and I think Emeka's going to be open this year a little bit more. If they are, they going to play him in the slot? I think they should. I think that's his best position. Um, and if he does, he could feast like uh, what JSN did a couple of years ago. And I was going to say, do you see any any scenario where we could potentially have three guys touching a thousand yards in the receiving room again? Julian, could a healthy Julian Fleming? Get it yeah, mix. is he going to be healthy, healthy enough to to do it? Um, the talent's there. He's mega talented. Well, I mean, um, he showed that last year. I mean, what, 522 yeah. yards, 47 catches right. in, a, in an injury-riddled you know, riddled season. So. Right. Um, and then are they going to want to work in these young guys, Carnell Tate and Noah Rogers? They're really turning some heads this spring. Um, so does that limit the touches? You know, got Kate still really give the ball to. Um I don't know if you're going to get three, but, uh, you know, Mac and Marvin should put up some pretty big numbers this year. Yeah. We, I know we came awful close with uh, JSN, Olave, and uh, Wilson. I think it was Olave. Yeah, Olave didn't. Short because, yeah. And, again, it, became, it was because of a couple games of injury. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. We got a couple fans submitted questions here, listeners submitted questions. Uh, Robert Allen says, running back depth chart. What do you got there, Frank, for your running back depth chart there? Because that, that's deep. Yeah, that it's deep that, room. Very deep, very deep. Um, so Travion's number one. I mean, he's healthy, he's the lead back, and he's the most talented player in that room. Um, and Mayan's number two. He's he's proven that. Beyond that, it's, you know, you know how Tony Offord is. If you had a good week of practice, you're probably going to get that third spot. Um, so – I, I'm really interested this year in seeing how Evan Pryor looks in fall camp. Um, I think he was turning some heads last year before the knee injury. And he's another player. I, they don't like throwing the ball a lot to the running backs, but I think Evan Pryor could exploit some things if they use him in that role. So I'd like to see him get some touches, but Chip train him third and one. I, I'll give him the ball, you know, um, and Dallin Hayden. I think he's got to be fifth right now, but boy, it's a tough place to put him. He he did a lot last year as a true freshman. Yeah. Think about that for a second, man. Dallin Hayden is your fifth running back. A guy who had what nearly six hundred yards rushing last year. Uh, he's your not sixth. Quite that run- much was it? What, wasn't it? It was up over five, wasn't it? Wasn't it like five twenty-two? Uh, was it that much? I oh, thought geez, it was something to that be- effect. I could be totally wrong about. I thought it, I thought he had a couple good games, but not anything like that. Uh, well, now, now while you guys are checking, yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, you go look <laughs> that up, and then I'm gonna have Donald Hoffer's question here for Frank. 
Who do you think will be the unexpected breakout star on defense this year? Jeez, I I hope it's uh, Sonny Styles. That kid needs to play. He needs to be on the field. He's not unexpected though. I, I'll go Jordan Hancock. I think he's going to win that starting cornerback uh, spot opposite of Denzel Burke. Another guy, super talented. He just has to stay healthy. Um, the coaching staff loves the kid. They were looking to get him on the field last year. It just didn't work out due to injury and, you know, trying to work him back in after not playing for eight weeks. But I think if he's healthy in fall camp, he's going to be the starting cornerback against Indiana. And I would expect him to, to do some good things. All right, Chris, it looks like he's still looking up that stuff. 111 carries for 553 wow. yards, five wow. touchdowns, and a five yards per carry average. And that's I your did, fifth guy. I Who wanted him? Did, was it their rumor that Tennessee Ten, was going Tennessee after him? Tennessee, Tennessee was after him hard, and yeah. he ended up staying. How about that? I did not realize he had that many yards. That snuck up on me, Chris. Good yeah. on you, man. Wow. Okay. Good on you. All right. We got a few minutes left. Let me ask one more Buckeye question before I let you guys talk about the Brownies. Ryan Day leaves for the New England job after the <laughs> season. You're the new athletic director at Ohio State, Frank. Who's the first phone call you make to and why? Mike Rabel, no hesitation. I think he's would be a home run here. And I think he's kind of got that Jim Harbaugh about him. I don't think he's going to last at one place for too many years. I think he'll, he'll start rubbing people the wrong way. I think he, you're starting to see that a little bit in Tennessee. The G, there was some problems with the GM there. He won the power battle. But how long is he going to stay there? Um, recruiting, you know, I, I don't think he was too long on it when he was at Ohio State in 2012 and 2013. But, um, you know, the, a chance to be the head coach of his alma mater, I think he'd jump at this in a heartbeat, and I think he'd be a home run. I think he'd be an absolute home run. I, You know, I you're the first person I've talked to that says that you think he would jump at the job. I, I think he would. I, that's interesting. You know, that's something maybe we should dive into. You, and he's, uh, what, maybe year you, six right now, I think, in Tennessee? Yeah, something like that. But honestly – I've tried to take my Ohio State blinders off with this question. What is the best head coaching job in America? NFL, college, what's the best job? I I think it might be Ohio State. I mean, you got you win. Ohio State recruits itself. You have the security as long as you could beat Michigan. You know, Jim Trestle had all the security in the world. Urban Meyer had all the security in the world until – some other stuff came about for both of them. I think Ohio State might be the best job in football. And, and, and people would say, I, I know a lot of people would say Alabama, but think about this. Would you want to be the guy to follow Nick Saban? No. I I don't. I think when Nick Saban leaves, you, you're going to see a dip in that program. Yeah. I don't think it's I as agree. sustainable as Ohio State is. I'll go one further. I think you're going to see a dip in the program before he leaves. I, you I might be seeing one this year. Yeah. No, I think it started I, two years ago, and I think we're we're seeing it. Their quarterback situation's a mess this year. I think Georgia is taking the reins of the SEC. I yeah, agree. I, I really do. Uh, recruiting recruiting rankings tell me they have. Yeah. Now there's there's still some clout there. There's still some 
you know, machismo coming from, you know, Tabasco City or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And their recruiting heats up late, but you're right. You're right, though. I mean, George has taken the the steam out of that conference. They, They really have. All right, Chris. Ask the man a Cleveland question. Go ahead. All right. I got to know what your thoughts are on the team this year. Now, myself, people are calling me nuts. I think if we can get Deshaun anywhere near what he was before the year and a half, two year layoff, <laughs> they can they can contend for a wild card spot. Oh, yeah. you're such a Cleveland fan. Ah, oh, that's not crazy. I think. I think if you get adequate quarterback play, th- this team is solid enough. I mean, they have arguably the best running back in the league. They do. I, I, I think Nick Chubb is, is the around. best running back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, you, are, do you follow the Guardians and Indians? Oh, yeah. Dolan, uh, enjoy Frankie Lindor, right? I, I'm going to say the same thing about Nick Chubb. Enjoy him this year because I don't know if he's going to be here next year uh, with the way this front office is is – running things. But um, I think the team around Deshaun is pretty solid. I think they, they got some good receivers. I think they got a good tight end room. Their offensive line is, is very solid as long as yeah. Jed Wills uh, gets his act together this year. Stops holding everybody. Right, right. He drove me up a wall last year, as I'm sure he did for you. Um, Defensively, I like the potential of what they got on defense. They, yeah. They got- a lot of they got a lot, a lot of athletes. Talent. They got a lot of athletes on defense, and their secondary is pretty good. I think uh, the new coordinator is going to make a big difference. How, how many of these guys do you think make this roster? I don't think Togiai does. I think he's going to get cut pretty easily. Um, then you got uh, the Whipler. He's going to make the roster. Uh, Dewan Jones is going to make the roster. Denzel Ward, he's going to make it. So that's three. Is there anyone I'm missing? You you think Tommy can stick around? I don't think so. I think he'll get cut. I'm shocked he hasn't already. I think he's only stuck around because this front office likes to keep their own draft picks a little longer than they should. Um, If for whatever reason it's just not working out with Tommy, and I thought he was in the fourth round. I thought he's going to be a steal uh, plugging up the middle for the Browns, but he just he can't see the field. He's not. He's not doing well in practice, apparently. Yeah. All right. Enough Browns talk. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think uh, their I, record will be versus the Bungles this year? Uh, one and one. One and one. I, I, I think this Browns team can win nine or ten games. I think as long as Deshaun Watson's adequate, which he, I I mean, why shouldn't he be? He, I think he should be adequate. I think he should be an I, average I think, quarterback. Yeah. I think this is a division that you could actually see every team split their divisional games. Absolutely. Pittsburgh's not a slouch. I mean, their quarterback situations. No yeah. You, you've got but, the Bengals are obviously the, the, the cream right now. I'll tell but, you, you know, what, too. Lamar, Lamar and the Ravens are awful tough. I'm My early prediction is Baltimore to win the division. I like what they've done this offseason. You know, I, I think getting I don't Lamar know how good happy. Of I don't know. Bringing in OBJ thing. might not be that, the best thing. For fifteen million, that was a joke. But well, yeah, but is he a locker room cancer? That's the question. Yeah, yeah, he could be. But um, I, I think getting Lamar happy and under contract was big for that organization, and um, I like their defense a lot. I think they, I think they could win eleven games and maybe steal this division from Cincinnati. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Frank. No more. Don't be stealing Chris from me and doing a Browns podcast. My <laughs> gosh, 
I do that. My cousin might slap me around. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Frank, my famous last question, my man, what does it mean to Frank to be a Buckeye? Oh man. It's so cool. It's so cool going to Ohio stadium on a, on a game day and, and being amongst the fans. It's another, you know, I said about the, the head coaching job. Oh, I think it might be the best in America. It's a unique fandom being an Ohio state football fan. Uh, it, we're the only major program in the state, right? And so, you know, me being up in Cleveland and somebody from Toledo and somebody from Cincinnati, we could all be watching the same game, rooting for the same team. It connects the entire state together. And I think that there's just something poetic about that. You know, on Sundays, we're, we're going to be cheering for different teams. But on Saturdays, we're, we're all kind of united as one. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I went back and listened to the interview, uh, Chris, you and I had after the spring game with Big Nut, uh, John Peters, and I loved his description of how when you put a a handful of Buckeyes in your hand and you look at them, they're all different, different sizes, different colors, different shapes, but when they're inside the horseshoe, 105,000 strong, they're all one. I loved loved that description um, of his explanation of Buckeye Nation, and yeah, I think I think Frankie hit the nail on the head there that it's special. Being a part of this fan base is special. Yeah, there's some crazy guys and some Twitter, you know, trolls and everything else. Every fan like, base has it. Just like them all. Yeah, now there's more up there in Ann Arbor than any place else. But well, they're uh, all nice. I've seen it firsthand. You'll maybe I don't know if you've seen it yet, Eric, but you'll you'll get some messages from them. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. Sure. we're all Buckeyes, but they're yeah. the nuts. Make no mistake about it. I'm I'm sure my most recent article there for Saturday Blitz is going to ruffle the their feathers, and I did Love it on it. purpose. What can I say? <laughs> I just it just in me there. But uh, all right, Larry Daniels said it best. He says thanks, Frank, Eric, and Chris. Another great show. Thank you, Larry, for chiming in, being a part. Frank, we're gonna definitely have you back during the season, man. If you're uh, able to come in on a Sunday night and be a yeah, part I'd love of to. Uh, our show with us on Sunday nights, we always do a uh, a post game show the day after. And um, a review show, and we, we hand out Buckeye leaves, talk about the MVPs of the game, and then we have we're gonna have callers actually call in for the second part of the show and give them a voice too, and let uh, or, or ask questions or let them vent whatever they need. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. We'd love to have you be a part of that uh, this season if you if you're up to it, Frank. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Eric and Chris. It was a lot of fun tonight. Excellent. Please like, share, subscribe. You guys know the deal. That really does help grow the channel. We're we're inching our way slowly to that 500 mark that we wanted so we can hand somebody a nice little gift card there to Amazon for $50 as soon as we hit that 500 mark. We're getting there a little bit at a time. So please share that and let everybody know that this is the place to come on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. We're going to talk Buckeyes. And you never know, you might even get two minutes of Browns talk, I guess. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) <laughs> with Chris in the house, you're you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get a little bit of that Cleveland talk there. All yeah. right, guys, as always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH, I owe. I owe.